Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. And I'm here to tell you today that God is faithful. I saw no possible way to walk through whatever I was facing at that time. Couldn't see it. All I could do was bow before my king. And look to his faithfulness. Because mine wasn't going to do it. All because of him am I able to stand here today. There's been uh, multitudes of opportunity to quit along the way. Where do you go back to? What do you go back to? What's there? You know, one thing I had going for me was I had gone so far to the other end that I already passed the signs that said bridges out. I already saw the big hole, the death, burial, the whole thing, you know. So I know there's nothing back there to go to. So what do we do? We press forward, amen? You know, as we were worshiping God this morning, a scripture verse rose up within me. And uh, I think I'll just go to it right now. Just read it to you for a minute. And this is where I think that uh, a lot of us are. But prior to that, listen, let me, let me see. Mm. Prior to getting to the scripture verse, the Lord spoke to me about some things. And he, and he said this, and it's kind of a little uh, almost churchy sounding. But you need to get it down in here. Okay, get it down in here so it doesn't come across churchy. It comes across as reality, okay? But we are living in the best days of this earth. Now, I can say that with boldness if we really, really want to be used of God. Huh? Now, if you just want to get by and sneak out of this earth and go to heaven and and just not be bothered with anything, then, then this is not a good time. You're going to have a, you know, always questioning God about everything. How come God this? How come God that? But if you really want to be all that God called you to be, you couldn't be living in a better time than right now. Are you hearing me? Do you realize that we have an opportunity that no other generation has ever, ever had? And he's chosen you and I to live in this day, during this opportunity, to let what he is, who he is in us, live through us. Amen? Think about that a little bit. Dave, when you came up here and knelt down, the Lord said this to me. He says, there's a man of honor. A man of honor. I saw you, when he said that, it was almost like you were Peter the Apostle. 
All you lacked was opportunity. You had honor. How many of you know in the Bible when you looked at, at Peter, I mean, he kind of outspoken, just kind of rough around the edges, told everybody the way it was, whether they wanted to hear it or not, and all that. But what he lacked, he made up for in honor. And the Lord said this. He wants your honor to shine forth and stay. He said, but he wants it also to be mixed with his word. He said, the things that you lack is his word of who you are in him. And because you lack that, honor sometimes doesn't show up as honor. Does that make sense? See, there's the honor of man, and then there's the honor of God. And what God wants to do is let his honor, the way he is, be revealed in his people. If not, you can be a very honorable person of this world. Huh? And live like they do. But the Lord said, you're a man of honor. And pursue his word. That means pursue a relationship. Let him speak to you about you. Peter didn't become a great apostle because he went out there and heard Jesus preach a sermon and then walked off. And still fished. He did it because he continually followed him. And even when he denied him, he came to him. And he repented. And he refused to not be a man of honor. That's why he came back. That's why he sought God, because he was a man of honor. But when you don't know the word, and how many of you have been there? I have. We've all been there. I'm still learning. We can do some foolish things. Hmm? We can. But our heart was right. We just didn't know what the word said. Now, the verse that he gave me was over in Galatians. It's chapter 3, and, it, and, and starting in verse 1, I'll just read it to you. It says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you, receive you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Now, Paul was addressing the, the church at Galatia about the fact that they had started out in the spirit, in the Holy Spirit, receiving God's love. Had nothing to do with the law. They didn't know the law. They had no idea about circumcision and, and all the, the little steps of washing your hands and not doing this and doing that. They didn't know any of that. What they knew was God loved them. That's what they learned. And they, they learned a whole lot of things about who they are in Christ, that they were sinners and yet Jesus died for them. They learned those things. And along came some people, Judaizers, who started teaching them that what they ought to do is now go get circumcised, then they'll be complete. Now Paul says, no, you're already complete. That was done away with. You're already complete. And so here it is, they're starting to ask questions like, well, these people said this, and these people said that. And, and Paul says, tell me something. Who bewitched you? Who told you such lies? Who convinced you that you ought to do this when God said this Jesus was enough? Did you start off in the spirit, now you want to end up in the flesh? He said this, 
Did we not start off in the Spirit coming to the Lord saying, Lord, just take me. I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me. We started off in faith believing. And now we're going to end up by being what we can do, how we can survive a, a coronavirus, how we can get through an economy that's messed up, how we can do these things, and who's president. Uh, is that what we're going to do now? End in our flesh instead of the Spirit? We started off in the Spirit. Are we going to now be so foolish to try to work things out in our own flesh? The Lord says, no, no. You started out in the Spirit, you end in the Spirit. Are you hearing me? The Lord's saying that we need to wake up and realize, you know, that, that we are children of the Most High God. And when we bow backwards and go backwards to, well, we're just trying to survive. Survive what? You're already in there. This is the greatest days that there is to live in. Walk in the fullness of it. You will never have this opportunity again. Nobody will. You know, I've said it before, but I think we, we should take it to heart. What stories do you have to tell your grandkids about the goodness of God? What stories do you have to tell your children and your children's children about how you didn't have yet God provided for you and walked you through things when you saw nothing but destruction, he walked you through it? How many of those stories do you have? See, what you lacked was opportunity. You read the word, you said, yes, that's good. Boy, I wish I could do that. You can you just lacked opportunity. But see, we all want to live on easy street. We all want to live and say, yeah, that's right. I've got it. I just hadn't had to use it because i got such great faith. Huh? Now, if you've got great faith, you'll have opposition. Okay? And you've got the same faith that everybody else has got. It's what are you doing with it? We want to avoid problems at every turn but there are some things that we need to really grab a hold of and that is right there found in proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 trust in the lord with all thine heart lean not to thy own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him and he'll do what direct your path and so i said it a couple of weeks ago either you're where you are because of your doings or you you are where you are because of god has directed you to that place and if he directed you to that place, which is this time in history, then he has a job for you. And that is to let him shine forth through us. And if we started out in the spirit, we don't need to wind this thing up in the flesh. Well, I'm just, just waiting it out. Waiting it out. You just missed an opportunity to tell your children and grandchildren how faithful your God was in the midst of a coronavirus. How faithful and big your God is in the midst of an economy that was messed up and, and presidents and politicians who lie. Worlds want, uh, nations wanting to go to, to war. How did you do this? Because there will come a day, just as it was when I was growing up, little kids used to ask their, their dads and grandparents, did you go to the war? Were you in the war? And they'd ask about it. And, of course, most of them never told anything. They said, yes, I was there. But they wouldn't tell them about it because children don't need to know the horrors of war. But you got a war and you got a battle that you fight every day. 
And you need to be able to tell them, yes, that's right. Yeah, there was gas shortages. Yes, there was lines. Yes, there was no jobs. And yes, there was people wanting food and, and no, there was no work and, and these things. But my God was faithful and he saw me through it. How many of you know your children and grandchildren need to know that? Or you can sit back and say, well, you know, every time something like that came up, I went and hid. I blame God for it. When you could be a man of honor and stand up and say, you know what? I don't understand, but I'm going to trust God. I'm going to walk this out. Like I said, I had many opportunities to quit and go hide. I didn't understand it back then. But I'd heard different ministers years ago. They talk about, you know, they did this and God did this and God told them to do this. And I thought, wow, what great stories. Great stories. I want some stories. I don't want to tell about their stories. I want some stories. And you know what? Every single day you're writing a story of how you went for it or how you hid and quit. Every day. And I'm going to tell you something. He's faithful. And if you'll stand up and not back down and stand on his word, and even when you miss it, repent of it and say, I'm going to keep going. I refuse to be knocked down and kept down. Your story in the end will be one that's shouted from the rooftops. And your children and your grandchildren look up and say, Papa did. He didn't just hear the word, he did the word. He was a doer, not just a hearer. Amen? How many doers do we have here this morning? Glory to God. And if you didn't raise your hand, you can be. You can be. That's just up to you. You can be a doer. Amen? Glory to God. Well, we've been, uh, the, the word of the Lord this, this year of walking in, in, in the, the presence of God basically is what the series is about in, in 2022. How are we going to walk in the presence of God in 2022? And we started out in Habakkuk talking about the fact that that uh, it was not real good in the days of Habakkuk back in 625 B.C. Things were not really good at the home front. Israel was hurting. They were bringing a lot of thing, injustice in the land with their own selves, things taking place in their lives and so forth. They were, uh, it wasn't other nations coming down on them. It was all within the house, bickering and fighting and looting and stealing idolatry, lawlessness everywhere. And Habakkuk sought the Lord. And he said, what are we going to do about all this? I mean, God, what's your, you, you're, you're not like this, so tell me what's going on. And he says, I'm going to do a work in your day that you won't believe it when I tell you. And he said, I'm going to have the Chaldeans come down upon you, upon this nation. And he said, you're going to have people that's worse than us correct us? He says, that'd be far from you. The just is going to live by faith. We've got to live by your word. I know you're saying this, and I know it's true, because you wouldn't be telling me otherwise, but... But I have a hard time comprehending all this. How many of you are living in that day? We have a hard time comprehending a lot of things that's taking place in our country. Hard time uh, understanding what's taking place in this whole world in 2022. But God, what are you saying? Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God hasn't said that we're going to have 70 years of captivity. I feel real good about that. I'm thrilled. I wouldn't do good in captivity. That's why I decided I'd just let him take me captive, and then I won't have to deal with the rest of it. Paul said, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. 
That means if he's locked up in jail, Rome thought they had a prisoner, but no, they couldn't have him because he was already a prisoner to God. So we just got to have to keep that attitude. So here it is. We went through that, and we saw in the word there in Habakkuk that God had told him, said this is going to happen, but the just shall live by faith. And so Habakkuk, the whole rest of the book talked about, which is only another chapter, but he wrote a song about the faithfulness of God. How God delivered his people out of Egypt. How God caused the sun and the moon to stand still for Joshua so that he could continue to defeat the enemy. And he talked about all of these things, that how God was faithful. And this was 26 years before the Babylonians came down upon them. But he had already let them know it's going to happen. So we saw in Jeremiah chapter 29... This was written in about 599 B.C. And this is what took place that the, the, the Babylonians came down and captured them and took them away. And the great thing was, is, is I told you that in 2911, God reveals his heart towards his people. How many of his people do we have here this morning? Amen. A whole room full and a lot of you online watching. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. The Father has great thoughts towards you. And even though things don't look the way you may think they ought to look, you just need to know, you know what? God's thoughts towards me are good. Wow. Now, if God's thoughts towards me are good, then maybe my thoughts about where I'm heading ought to be good and not of evil. And so we, that is our launching pad because when you're going through things, especially when you've been taken captive, and that's what happened in verse 4. We, we saw that they had been taken captive. We'll, I'll jump back there to that. And it says, Thus saith the Lord of, of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. He said, You've been taken captive. He says, Build you houses and dwell in them. Plant you some gardens and eat the fruit thereof. And we all like that. I mean, here it is. God's saying, even in your captivity, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat the fruit thereof. He said, take your wives and begat sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters unto husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters. That ought to show us about three generations. And he said, I want you to do this so that you may increase. Notice that, that you may be increased there and not diminish. I've said it the other week, if God wanted you to be diminished, he'd have left you there. But he didn't. You were already working your way to be diminished. And God didn't want you to be diminished. He wants you to increase. He wants you to become all that he's called you to be. And so in the process of allowing this to take place, what he's done is he brought an end to you diminishing. In the natural, it looks like you've been taken captive. But the truth of the matter is, left alone, you'd have died. But he says, no, I don't want this nation to die. I want it to increase. And he says, I want, yeah, you, took, you were taken captive. He says, but right in the midst of it, I want you to do this. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat the fruit thereof. Take wives. Have children. Give them to your to, to husbands and wives and have grandchildren. And that's good because he wants you to increase and not diminish. 
That's why he said, I know the thoughts I have for you, and that is to increase and not diminish. Thoughts of good, not of evil, to give you an expected end. The expected end was you're going to come back to this land. It's going to be 70 years, but you're coming back. And I made mention last week that the verse 7, nobody really likes. 5 and 6 sound pretty good. Verse 7, we as people just don't really care for. It says, and seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray for, unto the Lord for it. For in, thy, in the peace thereof shall you have peace. And none of us really want to pray for a bunch of people who took us captive. They took our homes, burned our land, stole our possessions. Who wants to pray for those people? Nobody does. If anything, what we want to do is rebel. We want to resist with all of our being anybody that does that to us. And the Lord says, you're already there. Now I'm going to tell you what to do. Because see, in the midst of all of this time frame right now, in this, there were those that were rising up, fighting against the Babylonians. Trying to plot this and to plot that and doing all these things. And God sent Jeremiah to write this letter and send it to him. And send it to the king as well. He said, seek the peace of the city. Whether I have caused you to be taken captive. That word seek, I made mention last week, is an interesting word. It means darash. And it means to pursue it, to seek it, to search for it. Search for the prosperity of that city. He says, and pray for it. Nowhere did Jesus say, just lay around and wait for it to come. He said, search it out. Pursue it. And if you're in this day and time where we're just sitting around waiting out a coronavirus or a presidential election or a war in, with the Ukraine or whatever it may be, an economy or, or ships not being able to unload, whatever it can come up, and there's plenty of things that can come up. There's always something new when, you know, that's going to happen. If you're just sitting around waiting, you're in trouble. Because you're going to live your life waiting, living from one calamity to the next, to the next, one disappointment to the next disappointment. But if you're in pursuit of our Lord, if you're seeking after God, it doesn't matter about all the calamities that come up. They just become opportunities for stories to tell your children. You are now the Davids and the Elijahs and the Elishas of the Bible. Or you can sit back and read about them. I don't know about you, but when I was playing football in high school, guess what? I didn't want to sit on the bench. I wanted to be in the game. The two-a-days during the summer were no fun if you just had to sit on a bench. If that's all you're going to do, you want to get in the game. Well, folks, we just need to get in the game. It's game time. Put your game face on and get with it. But like I said, our first instinct is to fight against this, against these people. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with building the houses and having a place to live because right now my home was hundreds of miles away and you destroyed it and I have no place. Your stars are now my roof. So to be able to build a house and have somewhere to dwell is better than being out in the cold and rain. So kind of like that. All the food I had, well, y'all took it and stole it and ate it. And I've had nothing now. 
as we marched all the way to get here. So being able to plant a garden having food, I like that too. That sounds pretty good. But as far as praying for this bunch that just ripped me off and stole from me and killed and, and plundered everything I knew, I, don't, I find it hard to pray for you. And if you're, just think of it this way, if you're 50 years old, you know you're never getting out of there. Because if God's word's true that you're going to be there 70 years, you ain't going nowhere. And guess what? If you were 40, chances are you're not getting out of there either. If you were 20 years old, you would be 70 by the time you left. I mean, you know, 90 by the time you left. So if you were just born in captivity, you realize you'd be 70. It's kind of hard to build a house somewhere else and to start over again. So in your mind, you're sitting back thinking, well, I don't know if I really like God's word. I want to go back home now. I don't want to wait. So you wouldn't have wanted to hear this, verse 7. Pray for this bunch. I'm going to be there. I think I'd rather have what I want. i do not real sure I want what God wants. And how many of you know a lot of people are living that way today? Not really sure they want what God wants. Yeah, we read in the back of the book, you know, about the, in the last days this is going to happen and that's going to happen and we shout the victory until we walk outside the door and realize we're living in it. And then we want to say, well, wait a minute. I want to claim something else. I want to start maybe a new church where we don't have to go through anything. Well, I've got news for you. If we're wanting Jesus to return, there's things that's going to take place. And what we need to know is that we're man enough and woman enough to step up to the plate and do what he's called us to do. And he's equipped us to do it. We just have to pursue him, and we can walk in it. Amen? And he said to him, he says, I want you to pray for the city. Pray for this bunch. Yeah, the very ones who stole from you. Now, I'll say this. A couple years ago, I had a hard time with that. I did not like our cities being toppled over and burned and looted and robbed and and statues overturned, and history trying to be rewritten. I had a hard time with that. And politicians saying, well, we'll just, we'll just help bail them out. Oh, it's, just, it's a summer of love. I had a problem with that. I wanted to fight. I wanted to rise up. If the government don't want to take them and put them in jail, then I'll go do it. If they're so unhappy, well, I'll take them out of their misery. All those type of thoughts came in probably everybody's mind in here. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I can tell you right now that there's some would go with a sniper rifle and go and kill them, all in the name of love. But they would not dare get on their knees and pray for that much. Huh? Now, I knew what the Scripture said, and I had a hard time with it myself. And so, to try to get across to people when all this is happening to your family, to your home, to your nation, to get it across that this is what the Word says, we want to take matters into our hands at times instead of what God said. What do we do? Well, we need to look and see what does the Word say about this type of behavior. He said, pray for the city. 
pray for this very bunch, the, the, the government officials and all these people that have done all this wrong and took you captive? Pray for them? I pray fire and brimstone down upon them. That's what I want to do. So do you. But that's not what he said. You pray for peace for them, prosperity. And according to the peace and prosperity of that city, so will you receive peace and prosperity. Now, that's wisdom far above my pay grade. But either we trust the Lord or we take matters into our own hands. Now, even though taking matters into your own hands is doing the very thing that we talked about a few minutes ago, when you started off in the spirit, why are you now ending up in the flesh? Huh? Hello. So what does the word say about this? I kind of stayed away from this last week because of time's sake. But I just want to tell you what Paul said from prison. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that, are, that be are ordained of God. Whoso therefore resisted the power resisted the ordinances of God. And they that resist shall receive in themselves damnation or suffer the consequences. It's a better translation. So here's Paul who knew the Roman government. He was a Roman citizen. And he knew that they weren't godly people. They didn't care for the Pharisees or the Sadducees or nobody else. They only cared about themselves. Caesar didn't care about anybody but himself. Nero, none of these people. But here it is, he's saying, obey them. Honor them. What is it that Paul knew that maybe we have lost in some kind of translation? Could it possibly be that maybe he knew something about the scriptures like in Daniel 2.20 when Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise, and knowledge to them that knoweth understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. He sets up what? Kings, and sets them down. Oh, God does this. Wow. So he knew that. Well, what else did he probably know, being that he studied the word? Well, he would have known Psalm 75, 5 through 7. Lift not up your horn on high. Speak not with a stiff neck, for promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. That just goes all over your politics, doesn't it? Well, maybe it was Proverbs 8. Counsel is mine in sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me kings reign and princes decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. God's saying, nobody got into office or became king or ruler of anything without me knowing it and going by me first. So that tells me that we have many opportunities in life. Many opportunities. Not burdens, but opportunities. To walk in God's word. Paul told Timothy, he said to him, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, 
for kings and for all that are in authority that you may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. He's telling this to people who are persecuting them to pray for this bunch. Yeah, that's what he said. I really haven't heard a whole lot of this the last couple of years. I don't really know as our country wants to hear this or wanted to hear it. But could it possibly be that maybe what's been the holdup in this whole thing is was the same holdup that Job had to deal with. He said when he began to pray for his friends, the blessings started coming back on his life. Maybe the problem has been the last couple of years we've been praying for our leaders. He went on and he said also, for Peter Apostle Peter said this, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or to the, to the governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. So Peter's saying the same thing. Locked up in prison. They've been beaten. He'd go into the city to spread the gospel, the love of God. They'd cast him out of the city, beat him up, leave him for dead out there to rot. And he says, do what? Pray for that bunch. Pray for them. And I wonder if our prayers for the peace and well-being of our own self is in direct proportion to the way we're praying for our country, then what can we expect? If we were to really take a good look at this and say, okay, now you told them, Lord, seek the peace of the city and pray for them. Declare blessings upon them. For in the amount of prosperity and the welfare that they receive, so will you. Now, do we still want to cut our nose off, spite our face? I mean, what are we doing? Should we not be praying for them? If you really want... Well, I just think we ought to find another way. <laughs> so today, it didn't work out real well for him. I think we ought to take notice that the Old Testament is saying it, the New Testament is saying it, maybe we ought to be doing the same. Maybe we ought to take note that, you know what? Anybody that miserable as some of these politicians are, they need prayer. They don't need us cussing them. They don't need us trying to plot against them. What we need to do is pray for that bunch. Huh? And I'm talking about Republicans and Democrats, judges, all of them, business owners. Because they're some of the stupidest people I've ever met. I'm serious. They lack a lot of wisdom. Well, we're going to take the baseball playoffs awards or whatever it was out of the city of Atlanta because we don't like the way they've changed the voting laws and move it to a, uh, to a state that's worse. Hello? And didn't you know the Lord had the last laugh? Who won the whole playoffs ended up in Atlanta? But just think about it. 
We got corporations that say, well, you know what, we're just going to, we're not going to like this. We don't like, these people aren't real smart. They're being moved by a dollar bill sign and not by the word of God. And we don't need to follow their footsteps that we're chasing after a dollar bill instead of the word of God. And we can do that with our attitude. Like I said, we all had trouble with this. I didn't like it when they were toppling the statues and doing those type of things, attacking the government buildings, throwing frozen water bottles at police officers. I had a real hard time with all of this. You could have easily recruited me at that time to say, let's go do it. But God didn't say that. He said, no. No. So here we are, a couple years later, and some people are still having trouble with this. They still haven't got past it. They hadn't moved beyond this. So they're still living now two years behind. Well, we ought to be living where God's called us to be. So how do we live in restoration of what the enemy has stolen if we're going to live back here in the midst of the, of the stealing? Are you hearing me? It's time to move to where he's called us to be. Begin to pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. I don't like their politics. God doesn't either. They need prayer. We need to pray for them. I wasn't planning on going quite this way this morning, but here we are. If you're still hung up on that, maybe your prosperity, your health, your peace is held up because of it. Are you hearing me? Now, I'm saying that out of love to you and honesty. Uh, being there myself, I, I've had to deal with it because I know you've had to deal with it. And if you don't, then you're going to continue making this cycle because there's always going to be something else that will offend you. You will be offended by the end of next week by something new. He said, in the peace thereof, peace of that city, pray for their prosperity, for the prosperity of the city because of it, you will prosper. The governing authorities of the city are not more powerful than God. We have made them out to be like they're more powerful than God. If God, we, we, we see in the word that favor, you'll have favor with both God and man. Do you realize that favor the favor of God on your life will take people that don't even like you and bless you. And they're standing back saying, I don't even like him. I don't know why I did that. It's because of the favor of God on your life. Now, anybody can walk and have people mad at you. I like it when people want to bless you and they don't even like you. They don't even know why they're doing it. And they feel good about it when they do it. So the government officials of the land, really they're not more powerful than God. And I got news for you. The coronavirus is more powerful than the healer, Dame Jesus. And it's interesting how facts are starting to come out about things that maybe we already knew, but were lied to. But the chief liar, the father of lies, is the devil. And he did so for a purpose. 
to stir you up, to get you to questioning God's love towards you. Every bit of it. There's part of me wants to go back over some things I said last week, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to keep moving right along. We talked about anxiety last week and about how anxiety affects our ability to receive from God what he has promised. Because now we've got our attention on the anxiety more than we have it on God. And anxiety will cause us to exalt another idea higher than what God's word says. God says this and anxiety says, well, I don't know about all that. This is what I see. This is what I hear. This is how I feel. You can't be anxious and well and maintain a wholehearted relationship with God. Because either you believe God or you don't. But anxiety will cause you to start questioning God's love toward you. Does he really love me? Has he brought me this far? Why didn't he stop this? Couldn't God have stopped the coronavirus? Couldn't God have stopped this? And couldn't God have stopped that? All of those things are sent by the devil to do one thing and ask for you to question how much God loves you. And did he really mean it? And what we have to do is look at this and say, how has my relationship been affected the last two years? Or even one year? Or six months? Because when you allow that stuff to continue to come in and question God's love towards you, now you've allowed entrance into your mind, which is trying to get into your heart. That's what it's trying to do. It's not just trying to stay in your mind. It's trying to get into your heart. The questions, does God really love you? If so, why did he let this happen? So our enemy, Satan, who puts anxious thoughts, wants to undermine the word of God that's in your life. And if he can gain your attention, then he's gained your identity as well. Now you'll be identifying with him instead of what God said. That's very, very important. Which brings us to the next place that I want to go to. And that is the fact that God's called us to be people of prayer. Now, I said this last week about anxiety. If you allow it into your heart, it will be at war with peace, which is God. And the one that you feed will rule your behavior. The one you feed will rule your behavior. Yeah, well, I believe this. Yeah, but you're living this way because you're feeding on the lie. You're feeding on God doesn't love you as much as this problem. When the night of Jesus was betrayed, he took his disciples and they went to the Mount of Olives to pray. And he instructed them to pray that you enter not into temptation. How many of you know that prayer is communication? It's communicating with God. And the Bible says that we're to enter into his courts with praise, right? Shouting how great our God is. The Bible talks about David when he was living, running for his life from Saul and, and how he was down at 
uh, just came back from war with his 600 guys and they they'd won, had a great battle and he came back home and all their wives and children were taken and all their cities, were, their, their, their towns were, were burned and their possessions were taken. And they taught David's mighty men of killing David. And David was in there and basically like in a cave or tent or somewhere. And he was like, God, what am I going to do? What in the world is happening? These, my own guys are talking about killing me. And the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And I remember one day reading across through that many years ago, and I said, Lord, how does that look? Because I need to know. Because there's some people out there talking about killing me. Maybe not physically, but they, they, they're, they're doing a real good job with their tongue. How does it look? I want to know, when he said he encouraged himself in the Lord, how do you do that? Because I like the results of it. And he said David encouraged himself in the Lord. And he went out to the guys that were going to kill him. And you know what he said to them? Guys, we're going to go back and get them. Go get our wives and kids. Come on, let's go. What? Yeah. And I'm sure he went out there and said to them this. Because this is how he encouraged himself in the Lord. Lord, I'm calling upon you. You're the one who delivered that bear into my hand. And no harm came to me. You're the one who delivered that lion into my hand. You're the one who delivered that giant, that fathead, into my hands. You're the one that did all of this. And the same God, you're the same God today as you were then. I'll go out there if it's by myself and take every one of them back captive. I've went out there and killed Philistine after Philistine after Philistine. And no harm has come to me. And if need be, I'll go get all of them myself. And encouraged himself in the faithfulness of God, of how he has been faithful, never to let him down. He went out there and convinced his 600 guys, let's go. 200 of them felt so bad, they just couldn't even leave town. They said, we, 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 we just all broke up. He said, that's fine. Us 400, we're going to go and get them. And y'all just keep the camp. We'll bring them back to you. He encouraged himself in the Lord. So how do we enter into prayer? You enter into prayer. How You go in there and say, Lord, it was through you that I overcome the troubles that I was faced with back in such and such day. It was through you that overcame that sickness that was sent to kill me. It was through you that, that got me a job when there was no jobs. It was through you who made provision for our family medically and in other ways when there was nobody else. It was through you, and you began to start praising God, telling Him how it was always through Him. It wasn't through my smartness. It was through you that we defeated the devil. It was through you that prospered me in a country that didn't want to prosper. You're the one who blessed me. And then it goes on and says, and be thankful. And be thankful. Now, when you are living or praying such as this, guess what happens? It's not about just requesting things. You see, in prayer, you always begin with God's faithfulness. Reminding yourself of how God always hears and answers prayer. And if you don't begin with God's faithfulness, you're going to end up with questioning God's love towards you. Because now you entered into prayer with anxiety on your mind and not his faithfulness. Are you hearing me? And how many times do we pray in anxiety instead of faithfulness of God? 
I made mention this past summer, I think it was, last summer when we were ministering, about pray, living and praying in faith and not anxiety. We're not going to go back there, but it, it's something we need to grab a hold of. You see, prayerlessness is costly. It costs you not to pray. If you're prayerless, then we're going to enter into temptation that we don't have grace for. I'll say that again. When you're prayerless, you're going to enter into a temptation. Because he said pray lest you enter into temptation. And if you didn't pray, you didn't receive the grace or the empowerment to overcome whatever it is that you're dealing with in anxiety. Are you hearing me? So being someone, well, I'll just wait it out. You're not pursuing God. You've got to pursue God. Prayer. How do you do that? Thanking him for his gratefulness of being so faithful to us all these years. Not in there saying, Lord, I just don't know how you're going to do it. I know you did it for them, but, you know, you've gotten older since then. You know, that was 4,000 years ago, God. You may not be moving around as good now as you were back then. What, what, what are we doing? We're questioning God because we're living and praying in anxiety instead of in faith. So prayerlessness will cause you to get, enter into temptation that you don't have grace for. James says you... Have not because you ask not, or you prayed amiss. In other words, you prayed your dreams instead of God's. So if we are prayerless, guess what that causes? Lack. Prayerlessness causes lack. It creates lack in your life. And lack fills in where prayer was left out. So when you don't pray, lack fills in. Say, so, well, what is lack and what is this prayer? We're going to get to that in just a minute. So if you're dealing with anxiety or anxious thoughts, it is because you have not stayed in the presence of God to the point of saturation. You see, when you stay in the presence of God to the point of saturation, you can hear something like, you're going to die of this disease. You're going to, this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. And you say, but by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. Because it pushed upon you, and the saturation of his word in you, it just oozed back out of him. By Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. Well, the economy's all messed up. You're going under. By Jesus, by, by what? My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. So every time you squeeze by by a questioning thought about what you're living in, the day we're living in, what eases out of us is God's Word. It's kind of like a sponge that's soaked up all that water to saturation, and all you do is just touch it, and it just eases, ooze out of you. Because when you don't live a life in prayer and stay saturated, you get hard and brittle. How many of you seen that sponge in your house? And you pick it up, and pieces start breaking off and flaking off, right? You want, that's what's happening in people's lives. Because they're not staying saturated in the presence of God. They're staying saturated in the presence of anxiety. Well, you know, sickness is coming. It's the flu season. Huh? Yeah. So prayerlessness, it costs us. Prayerlessness may present a battle to you that you don't even need to fight. 
How many of you know we fight a lot of battles we don't need to fight? And if we'd been prayer in prayer and praying before the Lord, we wouldn't have taken that particular road. We'd have taken a different road, and we wouldn't end up in a fight. Hello. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. I like the way he starts off his prayers. Start off with rejoicing. I bet he read the Old Testament. It says, Let your moderations be known unto all men. The Lord, his presence, is at hand. Be careful or anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. Receive your provision before anxiety can enter. Can you hear me? You receive provision before anxiety has a way to get in. And it says in verse 7, And the peace of God, or the presence of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ. So when you are praying, when you're rejoicing the Lord always, when you're staying in that position of prayer, believing and receiving from God, letting your request be known, receiving your provision, then that means that lack has no hold on you because you've already filled up. Your prayer has already received what prayerlessness creates that lack. That lack doesn't get there. Now, here's the deal with it. Well, I'll just read verse 8 to you. It says, for thus in Jeremiah 29, uh, verse 8. Can you put that up there for me? It says, for thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets say your prophets. And your diviners say your diviners that be in the midst of you, deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams, say your dreams, which you have caused to be dreamed. He noticed there that God said, your prophets, your diviners, and your dreams. I think what he's saying is they have nothing to do with him. They're not his prophets. They're not his practices of witchcraft, and they're not his dreams, which you caused to be dreamed. Why did you cause those things to be dreamed? Because prayerlessness causes lack or creates lack. And because you didn't have his dreams, you come up with your own dreams. Hmm? You didn't have to, but you did. Lack fills in where prayer is left out. Lack fills in. What's the lack? Your dreams, what you think should happen instead of what God is saying is going to happen. He said here, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which caused to be dreamed. Now here's the real kicker I hear about this. He said, your prophets, right? And there's a reason for that being there. It wasn't talking about they elected these people. What they said was this, we don't want to wait 70 years. We don't want to do what God said. We want to do it our way. If we do it his way, we'll die here. So we want what we want. And so there was an insurrection taking place within the nation of, of Israel to, we're not going to do what the prophets of God say. We're going to bring our own prophets on. And we'll finance our own prophets. And we'll starve his out. So we'll have people that, will, that we're going to prop up out there that's going to tell us what we want to hear. All in the name of Jesus. Yeah. So let's just hire some people. Let's just start our own church where we can hear what we want to hear instead of what God has to say. Let's just go kill that bunch instead of pray for them. Hello. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? He said, your prophets and your, 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 your diviners that's in the midst of you deceive you. Now, I liked what one person, uh, this uh, commentator, had written about this. And he said that, that the, uh, let me see what it says here. The Latin advantage uh, says the people wish to be deceived. Now, I like that. The people wanted to be deceived. They didn't want what God had. They told what they wanted to happen to the prophets, their prophets. So then they stood up and prophesied what they wanted. They talked about it, shouted about it, danced about it, ran around the church building, you know, got all hyped up, pumped up, because this is what they wanted. God said, I ain't got nothing to do with this. Just as it was with Aaron, the children of Israel wanted a golden calf. And so they got one. And this is a very dangerous place. And this is why we need to, to stay in prayer, seeking God's face about whatever's taking place in our nation. So we don't come to a place where we make decisions based in our dreams and out of our anxieties, but based upon what his word said. His love towards me. Because every time you get off of God's love towards you, and you're going to get over in an area that says God doesn't love you. And if he did, this wouldn't happen. So now you can't trust God. That's why you enter in. In prayer. Every day. All day. Anytime a thought comes about God's faithfulness, you just say, well, no, 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 no. You know, I remember, God, when you were faithful to me about my daughter's braces. How you provided when there was no way. And you start shouting the victory about these type of things. How he, how he cared about that. And how he cared about getting you peas and corn when you didn't have food. So why didn't he bring filet mignon? Well, maybe I didn't have filet mignon faith. I was thankful for peas and corn and would have taken those little Vienna sausages if they'd have sent them. Did you eat that? Yeah, I'd have ate it. We didn't even get that. But I was a man of honor. I refused to back down from what God's word said. We'll go hungry before I bow to that. Why? Because God's word said it. That's why. When he said to do this, I did it. And that's not a put down on anybody else or whatever. I'm just telling you that when I saw in his word that we're to give, to tithe, I chose to tithe over buying groceries for my family. Why? Because that's what his word said. And he proved himself faithful every single time. Not one time. Not two times. Not three times. Every time. And since 1979, every week he's been faithful. So I just don't know about all that. Well, you won't either. But you've had opportunities. Are you hearing me? You see, it's not about money. You, know, you people know me. I don't get up here. I don't even take up the offering. But I know this, that my God is my source, not you. Not you. Your job is not your source, and you need to get that in your head because it can close tomorrow. Governments can shut down. 
things can take place. So you better look at it and say, you know what? God is my source. And every time you get a victory, guess what? Hey, my God is my source. You quit looking at man, you start looking to God. And he says here about your dreams. The, fun, the thing about the word dreams, it is cologne. Cologne. I know Bob's over there thinking of calzones because it's getting close to lunch, but it's calzone. And it means windows. Windows. Dreams are windows. Are you hearing me? Dreams are windows. That's what it means in the Hebrew, windows. Well, you can, when you're in a room like this one and it has no windows and all you can see is what's, what's right here, God causes dreams to come, whether it be a vision or whether it be a dream in the middle of the night or, or a word spoken by him to you. And he shows you a picture of something besides a wall. He shows you how it can be instead of the way it is. Because I want you to understand something. The dreams from God are more real than the chairs that you're sitting on in here today. Dreams of God are more real than this wall because all this is temporal. It'll all go away one day, but God's word will never fade away. So dreams and visions of God are way, way more real. Yeah, I lied, didn't I? I didn't mean to. I really had a sincere heart. But your dreams, they're windows. And we have to ask ourselves, where, what window are we looking out of? Are we looking out the windows that God has where it's his dreams? Or are we looking out the windows of this world and becoming anxious? And because of the anxiety that we see, and we don't want this, and we don't want that, and, we, and all the fear starts coming in, then there, our dreams are not his dreams. And, and what takes place is in Isaiah 55 when he says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither my ways your ways, saith the Lord of hosts. He didn't say your thoughts couldn't be his thoughts. He said they weren't. Why weren't they? Because you were too busy looking up through the windows of anxiety instead of the windows of peace and provision. And God's love towards you. Instead of saying, Lord, I'm going to do what your word says. Because you're faithful. And you said, if I did this, you were doing this. I'm going to walk with peace. No, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to have my own dreams. And how many of you know that a lot of people today, in churches today, are living their life based upon their dream? Instead of God's. And notice what it said there. He said, your dreams that you caused to be dreamed. He didn't cause it. You caused it to be dreamed. Throw it up there again. Because that's really something we need to meditate upon. There's dreams that you had that you caused that you bring about. It says, neither hearken to your dreams what you caused to be dreamed. What were you looking at to start seeing the calamity coming in your life where you would have to take matters into your own hand? You dreamed those dreams. It wasn't God. You did that. Well, you know, if I don't cheat, if I don't steal, if I don't do this, we're never going to get a hit. That's your dream. God gave you his dream to do it his way. Yeah, but if I don't do this and if I don't do that, that's your dreams again. That you're causing. 
And you get it down inside of you and you say, well, this is the only way it's going to happen. You remember in the Old Testament, Sarah, she was in agreement with Abraham. Let's have a baby. God said we could have one. And they tried, and they tried, and they tried, and guess what happened? There was no baby. So Sarah concocted up one of her own dreams. She said, let me bring Hagar in here to you. And through Hagar, God will give me a child. And Abraham says, I like your dream. Until Ishmael showed up. And after Ishmael showed up and Sarah got mad and said, this is all your fault, Abraham. He didn't like it anymore. I don't know about you, but I don't need any more Ishmaels in my life. I need some Isaacs. I need some promise in my life. The promise seed, amen? So we get an opportunity here as we look at this. I'm going to go ahead and read on the rest of this. It says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Let not your prophets, your diviners, that be in the midst of you, deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams, which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I'll visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to bring you to an expected end. The Lord's saying to us today, I know the thoughts I have to you, for you. Walk with me. Take advantage of the opportunities that you have set before you. These are the stories that you can tell your grandkids about my faithfulness. They don't need to hear about how God was faithful 6,000 years ago. They want to hear about how he was faithful today. Will you trust me? Will you pray for him with me? Stay in communication with me. If you'll do so, then I will give you what you have need of, the empowerment to overcome every temptation of anxiety that you'll ever have. If you'll do it my way. Because I intend to bring you to an expected end. God's talking about restoration. He was saying, I'm going to restore you. But I'm not going to restore you how you used to be. Where you're out there stealing from one another and fighting and looting and idolatry and, and adultery and everything else that's going on. I'm not going to restore you back to that. I'm going to restore you back to a place where you really love and, and serve me. And he goes on and he tells. Ezekiel did it in, in, in chapter 37 there about the dry bones. And he's. He says, I'm going to take you to a place, and he showed it to him, and it was written in 586, 13 years after this. He's writing to them because now they're discouraged. They're beat up. They're, they're kind of like walking around. And he says that they were all dry bones. They were dead. And this is what the Lord so told him. Prophesy. Speak my word to those dry bones. Folks, we've got to speak God's word to these dried bones. To the bones that are dried out in your life. We've got to speak to them. What the word says, not what our dreams are. Are you hearing me? And if you'll get in there and start reading there, you'll begin to see that nothing happened until Ezekiel did it. He knew it. God said, do it. He's, 
when you think that'll happen, you know, Lord, but nothing happened. And when he spoke to the dry bones, they all came together and stood up, but they had no breath in them. And the Lord said to him again, prophesy to the winds and tell the winds to come and breathe life into them, to these dead bones. Prophesy. And what I hear the Lord saying to us today is begin to prophesy life to yourself. Prophesy God's word, its life. Prophesy it to yourself. Lord, your word says this. By Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. Your word says you are my provider. You are my protector. You are my buckler. You're my high tower. Not the government. You are. Speak life to yourself. Prophesy. Speak God's word into you and no matter what you're faced with guess what will happen you'll overcome how many overcomers do we have here you can't overcome something you didn't have to fight and we overcame by the what blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony that meant somewhere you had opposition you had opportunity opportunity every head bowed and eye closed nobody looking around i got a minute for count now Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, there's times when we are lazy and we don't want opposition. We just want smooth and we want smooth sailing. We're tired. We get wore down. And Lord, we recognize that the fact that we get that way is because we've been prayerless. Because we haven't received our empowerment for what we're facing. The grace for what we are facing. Lord, teach us to pray and to stay in prayer. Remind us of coming into your courts with praise. Shouting how you did it before and how you're doing it now. And how you're going to do it again. So that we are in Powered to face every single obstacle, every single opportunity, and do so victoriously. That we don't question your love towards us. We just receive it. Lord, I thank you that your word is true. It doesn't change. And you don't change. Thank you, Lord, of loving us. And Lord, I thank you right now for those this morning that are, are dealing with uh, anxieties that had to deal with this. And Lord, they begin to start seeing that there are windows. There, there are windows in their minds. Windows of the world. There's opportunities for them to, to wander. And Lord, we just choose to stay in your presence where we wander. We look at your wonder. And we just are engulfed in how wonderful you are. I declare blessings on the people today as they go. Bless coming in. Bless going out. Lord, I think that they'll have a great week. A great week. Beautiful afternoon today. Time with their family and times of peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.
Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.